you are listening to the Booth Podcast, Saskatchewan's home for unfiltered sports analysis, hot takes, and wild, wild conversations. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. We are back once again. It's the Booth Podcast. You've been used to hearing us talk NFL for so long. We had the draft. We had going back to the Super Bowl and all through the playoffs. Something was missing. It was a little Canadian sprinkle, a little sprinkle of, of Canadianness, if you must say. And we're back. It's the CFL show. It's the local sports show. We are talking a crazy offseason this upcoming season, the upcoming Riders roster, it's going to be a good one. I am Reese Shonsby, joined as always on this show by Davey O'Doyle. How's it going today, Dave? You know, I mean, the Canadian this is back a little sprinkle a little of uh, maple syrup here for us, and uh, we're, we're getting back to it, we're getting cooking here. Love it. So, yes, I to start off a podcast talking about the CFL, you can't not talk about what just happened with the strike and the CBA negotiations and all of this. So if you've been living under a rock for the past month, the CFL and CFLPA had their collective bargaining agreement expiring before this season. Rookie camp got done. And a deal didn't get done along with that. So the players did decide to use their right and strike. So it was a four-day strike before the Players Association and League came to a tentative group deal. All right. Everything should be good. We've heard this a million times. Sounds good. Players vote on it. Season starts. Well, that didn't go as planned because when it came down to the players' vote, they voted no. They voted they were not going to accept the CBA. This was based around, from what I hear, again, I'm not in that room, not in the negotiations, but it sounds like it was a big push from Canadian players because they weren't liking the new rules around the Canadian ratio where nationalized Americans, Americans who've been in the league for more than eight years or four years on a single team would be able to take a spot from a Canadian player. So the deal got voted down. There was another three or four days before a new deal was accepted. And this one did get voted as a good deal by the players. So we have a CBA and we have a season, but we have to talk about it. Dave, what was your thoughts on the whole shit and shebang um it was one of those things where like you just want a deal to get done like i mean a lot of people did this weird thing where they like would take a hard side and then absolutely blame the other side for this like atrocious behavior right where i mean like this is negotiation this is give and take right so i mean the players want a, f- a fair deal because it's their life it's their money it's their body right yeah. and they want more money but they haven't played as many games but at the other hand, the CFL hasn't given them the chance to play as many games as all the COVID stuff, but they don't want to put, pay the players for what they haven't played, right? So you have this, like, weird chicken or the egg kind of thing going on 
I mean, just like I'm just glad something got done. I I guess here's here's a question I have for you. That original proposed deal where they have the four years on a team or an eight-year CFL veteran yeah. player take a, take a spot. How do you feel about that? I don't love it. Uh, I love the Canadian part of the league as a guy who's grown up watching it. It's the Canadian Football League. It's cool to see guys I know get into the league. Um, but on the other side of it, these these are the guys that – these nationalized American players are, are the heart of the CFL. They're, they're the, the Simone Lawrence's or the Western Dresslers of the league guys who have been here. And for all sense of the word are Canadian, they've made their home here, but now they're not viewed as Canadian in the league. So it's a bit of a different, I go back and forth on it so much to answer your question about if I like it or not. So what the new deal did end up saying for this was right now there will be one nationalized American on each team that can take 49% of the snaps of a Canadian player. I'm not sure if that snaps in a game or snaps in a season. Um, I would assume it's game. So, yeah, how that would work is you would have your, I think it's eight Canadian players. Whatever the number is of Canadian players, seven maybe? Seven, I thought. I don't know. Seven. seven. Or eight we'll say seven. For the purposes of this, we'll say seven. <laughs> if we're wrong, blast us. I don't care. Yeah. So you have seven Canadian spots. This American player can play in one of those spots for 49% of the snaps right. in a game. Um, in 2023... That will go up to two spots can be taken by nationalized Americans. And in 2024, it'll be three spots that can be taken by nationalized Americans, but it will always stay at 49% of the snaps. I ask you that question. Cause like, I completely understand why you would think like, Hey, maybe this isn't the greatest thing for to uphold the Canadian, the Canadianness. I guess if we're going to keep using this term for it, for this episode, love it. Um, but I, the thing for me is like, I'm okay with it because of the rules of like, yes, it has to be a player that has made the CFL their home, right? A guy like Charleston Hughes, a guy like Willie Jefferson, a guy, like I said, like Simone Lawrence, a guy, you know what I mean? Like guys like this, right. Who kind of feel like they're in the CFL lore. They're in the culture, right. Of the CFL. So I'm okay with it. But like I said, it's not my deal to make. I don't care. More Canadians on the field still cool with me. So it's what it is, but I would have been fine with that deal either way. I think another thing to look at here is guys like Simone Lawrence and those guys who would be nationalized Americans and guys from the States that really just want to get a job, just want to play football. were very upset with the Canadian players right. who voted down this first deal. Um Naturally, I feel like it really caused some divide in the locker rooms. And hopefully that's gone now for these teams and hopefully they can move past it. But I mean, there is the sense of it is Canadian players, you're you're good. But these American players are the lifeblood in the league. And to be honest, you don't have the league you do without these American players, without your Simone Lawrence's, without your Willie Jefferson's. You don't have this league. It's not the league that it currently is. Yeah, I mean, 
I think they did find a good compromise, given that you can pretty much take the spot as long as you just split it, yeah. which I mean isn't the most ideal move, but you have to find flexibility with yeah. your roster. But it's at least a compromise. At least we didn't get the American player shooting it down or something ridiculous now, right? So, I mean, like, it's good, but I think a lot of that stuff, when you actually look at it on paper, if you have a player that is playing for eight years in the league, he's probably good enough just to be a starter anyways, realistically. So, like, he doesn't even really probably need to take a spot. He's just going to be able no. to be good enough to have the spot anyways, but. Oh, well. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I do love that the final deal they came up to was you just have to share. Yeah. You just have to share. Well, works works and works with kids, works with spouses, works works with CFL baby. Just share. <laughs> what if it ain't broke? Don't fix it. Just share. Just share. So that kind of brought us to where we are now into training camp. Um, we did have yes, as I said, the four days of strike. Um, so that caused a little bit of interruption for training camp. Two teams weren't striking during that time. Alberta has different labor laws um, versus the other provinces that have teams. So Calgary and Edmonton were still practicing. I know a lot of people were really upset about that. I was kind of like, whatever, it's a couple days of practice. But a lot of people were like, you don't want to play Calgary or Edmonton coming into the first weeks of the season because they're going to be so much more ready than you are. I mean, like... That's pretty ridiculous, though, is it not? Like, still, at the end of the day, as long as you have your system in place, right? It nothing re- replaces live reps. Exactly. If you have the live reps, like, unless they went played live red and white games the whole time, yeah, then they might be ahead of you. But I'm pretty sure they didn't. They should, and they weren't. And right? Even though the players were striking, didn't mean they were weren't getting practice in. Players were doing private workouts without coaches. So they were still implementing the playbook and running through reps and doing stuff like that just on a private field that they rented somewhere else in the city. I know the riders were here in Saskatoon renting out a separate field from the U of S field just to get reps in. So yeah, it's not like the teams weren't practicing. We're so far behind. We didn't get the extra six hours of practice. They did. All right. Yeah. Chill, chill out, bud. So that brings us to where we are now. Again, like I said, we are in training camp. We have had a few preseason games here. Pull up the scores quick from those ones. There was uh, started out on Friday night with Toronto and Ottawa. Ottawa taking that one 23-17. Then we got to Edmonton-Winnipeg. Edmonton won 30-20. The blowout. In Calgary, Calgary taking it 41-6. We'll talk about that in a second. Some controversy with that game. Um, Hamilton and Ottawa. Hamilton winning it on a walk-off field goal, 25-23. I do love, I want to say about that walk-off in Hamilton, I love when teams still take the preseason seriously. I know that was a walk-off game. They won, and it didn't. you couldn't tell if they won the Grey Cup or they won a preseason game. They were just as happy. Like... <laughs> Just I mean, to win a football game. That's football, right? You want to yeah. play to win, right? I mean, you're playing for a job, but if you're doing your yeah. best, every 12 guys are doing their best, you're going to win the game, right? Yeah. I can't remember who it was. It was somebody I was watching the – this was years ago um, – the Rich Eisen show mm-hmm. down south, um, talking to some NFL coach, 
and he asked him, what, what's the most intense game? Is it a preseason game? Is it a regular season game? Is it a postseason game? Well, everybody's expecting coach to say postseason game. He said, no, it's preseason. Preseason is the most intense game you'll get because the guys who are playing in that game are guys fighting for a job. Right. They're not fighting to win a championship. They're fighting to feed their families. Right. Yeah, there's this do or die survival. Yeah. Right. So those who say preseason doesn't matter, it sure matters to a lot of people. Yeah. Like I said, there's – I found it really interesting, like, to use an example in the NFL this year, I watched, like, the last Bengals preseason game of the, like, last season. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that game was good. And then you watch, like, the game they played their last week of the season where they rested all their starters. Yeah. There's a huge difference there, right? Like, these guys know they made their money. They know they're making the postseason. You're just getting the game out of the way, right? Like, that's different than the preseason where you're actually fighting for something, right? Yeah, exactly. Going back to the Calgary-BC game. Calgary decided in this game to play some starters. Uh, BC decided they were going to save their starters to play versus Saskatchewan on this Friday. Um, so it was a lopsided game. As I said, 41 to six was the final score and it didn't come without controversy as well. Um, four minutes left in the fourth quarter scores out of it. Like there's nothing that could be done for Calgary to lose this game. Quarterback for BC, Kevin Thompson drops back. And heavy blitz from Calgary. Thompson gets hit very hard, we'll say. He gets really put into the dirt. Results in a pick six. Uh, Calgary's lead grows. Thompson ended up spending the night in hospital in Calgary before returning to BC from injuries he sustained during this hit. Um Sounds like his season is done. He's out for the rest of the season. I haven't heard exactly what the injury is, but BC's now in the quarterback market trying to hunt down a veteran quarterback to be Michael O'Connor's backup. So the question has risen in the CFL of, is playing that hard to the whistle in a preseason game when the score is that out of hand, uncalled for? Yes and no. No in the sense of, like, you need to play hard to play football. That's what you need to do. They need to evaluate those linebackers or whoever they sent all those blitzes to to see if they can flow through their gaps and see if they can pick up that blitz, right? You know what I mean? They need to yep. evaluate that. Um, should the DC have called that? with three minutes left winning by like 50 points, probably not realistically. No, you should just drop your guys. You know what this is. So, I mean, and then I don't know, it's, it's one of those things. Like, I don't know the guy who hit him. I don't know his character. I don't know any of that stuff. I don't, I didn't see the hit enough to know because TSN's not broadcasting it to know if he really planted him dirty or if he just laid into him solid and he has like a good explosive hit. Right. I don't know that stuff for sure. If it was dirty, shame on that guy for trying to end this other this quarterback's year. But if it wasn't, like I'd say, the only thing I'd say is like, hey, maybe the DC should reconsider 
sending a heavy blitz, winning by 50 points in the, the fourth quarter, right? Exactly. And I would almost say DC should reconsider that in a regular season game more than in a postseason game. Because in a postseason game, you are still trying to evaluate those guys. So you call plays that are not specifically for the scenario you're in in the game. Because that guy that you're trying to evaluate was not in at that scenario point right. in the game. So you have That's to make true, up right? these scenarios. That guy might have just been in. This is like a second drive in, right? This exactly. Be, right. That's true. So you can't fault a team for playing football. Maybe it's not how you want them to play football, but they're playing football, guys. It's the preseason. So you have to evaluate. You know what I evaluated is BC, you need to fix some things on your own line. Because now your quarterback's spending a night in hospital. Like I said, if the only way I'm putting like the shame on you is if this dude did something dirty in this hit. It like if he hit him and he, like if he hit him and he picked his legs and slammed his head yeah. to the ground or something, maybe like, hey man, that's bad on you, but yeah. I don't think there was a flag on the play or anything. So Yeah, I didn't hear anything of that sort besides that. It was like it was a bad landing for the guy, right? Yeah, so. I mean, that's football though, right? It is. If every defensive player in the history of pro football gets excited when they get a free shot at a quarterback, right? Like of that's course. how it is. That's how it yeah. is. I think the next point we have to talk about, and you alluded to it earlier, is – Fucking TSN. <laughs> oh, broadcast the games. Yeah, you have this deal with the CFL. And like, let's be real about this. What what better things do you have to broadcast? You right. don't get most of the playoff hockey games the Oilers nope. are in. You don't get the Jays baseball games. No. Nope. Like, you do they even some, – some, sometimes they don't even have the NBA games. No. Like, what are you guys playing? That's so important. You can't play the CFL football on the Canadian sports channel. You have the sole rights to the CFL. Nobody else is allowed to broadcast this, but you refuse to broadcast this. Then give up the rights. So you can play like a feed of golf or like three feeds of like the double IHF championship game or like Two feeds of SC? Like, what are you doing? You have five, five fucking channels, TSN. And you can't show one of them? What? Put it on yeah. TSN 5. Put it as <laughs> bonus content on the app. Who cares? I have had issues with TSN for a long time. They are terrible for their streaming platform. I know as a guy living on his own at 23 years old, I say alone, I am married. We have gone over this on the pod. I meant not with my parents. <laughs> um, but even so, right? Stream. Even so, I don't have cable. I'm not going to pay for cable. I stream TV. And TSN, your streaming app sucks. But yeah, the CFL is all about playing to this new generation. Well, your main broadcast partner isn't TSNs. So. It, it's, it's so weird because like, there's people like my dad, right? Like mm-hmm. he has TSN. If it's not on TSN, he's not getting it, right? Like yeah. he just watches TSN and that's fine. But if you want this game to grow, you need to get to streaming. Streaming is the rage for everything. Most people I know don't even have cable anymore. 
unless they're like 50, like, like my parents, right? Like <laughs> they don't have, they don't have, they stream everything. How are you expected to keep up to everything? Like the NFL has, it's been amazing. Everybody I know has the zone like to get it. Right. Yeah. So the CFL needs to figure something out instead of being like, well, we've always done TSN. That's the way it has to be done because it doesn't have to be that way. I've heard a lot of people saying the CFL should create their own streaming platform. Or I'd be all for that. Or yeah, find or a find part. Right. The other thing I think that the CFL could do is do this NFL style. No one TV broadcaster has the rights to the NFL. Right. There are multiple broadcast channels bidding for games. So if you do that CFL style and you have TSN and you have Sportsnet and you have CBC, there's three broadcast partners. You're not one solid broadcast partner. All these broadcast partners now are competitors with the same product. So now they are holding each other to a higher standard. I think the, the only problem with that logic is that nobody wants, no, I don't think anybody wants to buy most of those East games. No, that's the other problem. Right. So you want, you want to buy, you would have to regulate it. Saskatchewan, well. you want to buy Winnipeg. You might want to buy Hamilton games. Probably I could see that. Yeah. But then there's like, Hey, Toronto and Montreal, you're probably not getting a high bid for that game. Exactly. Right? Or like BC and Edmonton, you're not going to high bid for that game. Right. Yeah. Because there is only like three or four really solid fan bases that are going to draw that for you, but you'd have to regulate somehow the number of those teams, right? We're not experts on broadcasting. Right. We we sure as shit aren't, but we can see that TSN is doing something wrong. See, ever since TSN has that five feet thing, dude, it's unbelievable how many times they'll show three street three feeds of the same game. That nobody yeah. wants to watch anyways, and then just like two random things of yeah. like Sports Center and like Wimbledon. And I'm like, dude, this sucks. <laughs> That's absolute bullshit. It's bad. Um, TSN needs to get their shit together, or the CFL needs to get out of TSN. And honestly, I do think if the CFL gets out of TSN, that could spell the end for TSN. Because honestly, what else do they have? Like you said, they don't have the hockey. They're they're they turn into the golf channel. Golf and curling. Yeah. It's it's interesting because like even if you compare the two apps, yeah. the sports yeah. one's way better. Oh, it's amazing. Way I better. love it. The sports one's so much better. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Right? And like TSN is supposed to be the sports network. Yeah. Like, man, stop being the shit network then. I, <laughs> so I have the TSN app on my Apple yeah. TV okay. in my living room. I'll be in the middle of a rider game and it will just kick me out. It will yeah. just kick me out yeah. to the main home screen of my Apple TV. Yeah. And I'm like, this is not okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember last year I was at like, they everybody's seen Carter. If you've listened to the NFL podcast, yeah. but I'm at his house watching a game, right. And it's just like, Oh, it crashed. Sorry. <laughs> like, what yeah. are you doing? It's, it's bad. Um, I'm surprised I'm not blocked on Twitter by TSN for how much I have given them shit on Twitter. It's bad. Um, that brings us to the end of this rant on the podcast. Hey, TSN, do better. That's the do better. But speaking of TSN, tomorrow's game, or probably today, if you're listening to this when it comes out, happy game day. 
Let's go. It's Riders game day. We are on Riders game day eve as we record it. Um, but we're ready for some preseason action for our Riders. We got the depth chart today. Um, we also heard Craig Dickinson talk in pregame interviews that most of the starters will not be playing this game. They're going to save those guys for BC. Um, so we'll have uh, Mason Fine starting at quarterback. Uh, the two other quarterbacks with Fine are going to split reps basically equally, Dickinson said. Just want to evaluate all of them, looking for who is going to be the backup this season. And then, yeah, most of the starting offensive line – well, not most of it. A couple spots sitting couple. out. Yeah. Um, the starting linebackers of, aren't playing. None of the starting linebackers. None most of the starting of the D-line's not. Most yeah. of the D-line isn't. Most of the secondary doesn't look like it is. Guys like Nick Marshall and Mike Adam. You have guys like Clark and Webb. Um, exciting to see Lacombo in there. Yeah. Yeah. Lacombo's a, Lacombo's a big one. Oh. That's when he went be... down last year, you could tell that flummox what we thought our secondary was going to be after he was at first on him. Exactly. You... I'm really excited to see what he can do. I think we're putting. We're, I think we're betting a lot on him. Yeah. Like stuff like not re-signing Ed Gainey. I think that comes down to what they think Lacombo is going to be. Yeah. So like, hopefully he shows that, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, the running back spot is going to be an interesting one. Uh, riders moving on from William Powell. Uh, this offseason and not bringing anybody in to replace him in that spot right nobody now it'll be name. nobody big name yeah. nobody big name a couple a couple depth guys Jamal Morrow is listed at this as the starter at running back he'll be starting in this preseason game it is expected that he will be the starter this season had a hell of a season in the return game this past season so I'm excited I'm excited to see what he can do in the offense because we didn't I don't think we saw him ever in the offense last season. Not that I can think of, right? No. Because even if you were going to put him at receiver, he'd be doing that Kyron Moore spot, right? Yeah, exactly. Which Kyron's amazing, so we're not going to do that, right? He was yeah. just returning the whole year. Yeah. Uh, Guy, I'm excited to see. He's been around a few years, and he's made it into some regular season games too. Paul McRoberts, I really hope he can get something going. He's at a bit of a disadvantage that our receiving core is – so stacked. That's what I was going to say. I I almost think like he's once again, he's just going to be a casualty of how good we've stacked exactly. us up with Duke and Kyrat and Shaq and Key and Schaefer Baker, right? Like he's, how are you going to yeah. see this dude? It has nothing to do with McRoberts abilities. It's just mm-hmm. that shit. We have the best receivers in the league. I'm sorry. Yeah. If you look front to back, like our top four, I guess anybody's top four looks good, right? Yeah. Coming into this offseason, I was like, I hope we can bring two of these guys back of, <laughs> of Duke and Shaq and and Kyran. And I was kind of like, well, we'll probably let Shaq walk and hopefully we can get Duke and hopefully we can get Kyran. And we got all three of them. And we're loading up to try and win the Grey Cup at home this year. That's what's happening. Yeah, I that's I thought that too. I thought I thought we'd keep Kyran to play. More like, you know, more of the closer to the ball. I thought we'd figure <laughs> you have Key and Schaefer Baker, who's yeah. on his rookie deal. You figured him in. And then I figured, like, wow, Shaq was kind of out of salty attitude last year and was hurt. He's yeah. done. Duke's in good. Yeah. But then they figured, no, we need all of them in. Yeah. And, and then, uh, just, and then more just, weapons for Cody, right? 
behind those guys, yeah, you said it, Schaefer Baker. You got Mitch Picton. You got Justin McInnes. You got Paul McRoberts. There's depth here too. It's not. Yeah, it's not like we have four guys and no one else. Right. Even if you just did have four guys and no one else, a lot of receiving quarters have one guy and no one else. But yeah, so. they have one guy and like one like kind of decent guy. Right? Yeah. This is four guys. This is. You can make the argument for Schaefer Baker on some teams. So I'll say for sure this is three guys who could be number one receivers on other teams. I say for sure two number ones. Yeah. Kyron, you can see here and there. I, I argue maybe he's not a bona fide number one. Yeah. But that guy's a number two anywhere. And then Duke and Shaq are number ones anywhere, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. I, I'm, I have high hopes for this season. I, I'm excited to see some of these backups in this preseason game. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I think spot I'm looking at too. He did finish out the season as our starter. Um, Corey Vedvik at punter. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on from John Ryan, uh, he's going to take that spot. So that'll be interesting. I think the big thing for me is like, I'm interested to see what that D line does. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we know Charleston's not playing, AC Leonard ain't playing. Yeah. We don't mean we know. Our, our main guys aren't playing. I just want to see the depth we have at D-line because usually those trench spots are where you get hurt. And if you can have a good guy on the rotation, a good couple guys who can get, you know, four, five, six sacks in a season, that helps you a lot. Exactly. The, we saw Adams play some last season in the rotation. I'm not sure about Robertson. Did we see him in? A little bit. A little, a little bit. bit, I think. Daly's yeah. an interesting one to see come in into the rotation here, too. So uh, I'm excited for that as well. Yeah, that's that's definitely – out of all the starting spots on the roster, when you put in the starters, I'm most concerned about the secondary. But from this preseason roster that they put out, the depth chart, I'm, I'm watching the D line. Uh, just to touch on the Winnipeg side of things, as much as we don't really like to talk bombers on this podcast, we are forced to sometimes. It looks like they are going with a similar strategy of not playing starters Great. for this game. Uh, Caleros won't be playing. Who else are we, do we have here? Yeah, really none of their starters, it doesn't yeah. look like, are going to be playing. Um, Olivier is not starting at running back. Doesn't look like they have Ellingson in the receiving core either. So yeah. it'll be a bare bones crew for them as well. So should be an evenly matched game. Yeah. Is the CFL only has two preseason games, correct? For each right. team? Yeah. So the Riders play this tomorrow, Tuesday, or today as you're listening to it, yeah. uh, the 31st versus Winnipeg, and then Friday the 3rd against BC. I like that. I like only having two preseason yeah. games. You know I mean, you get those live reps, you see what they can do, but like you don't need four preseason games. That's an unbelievably stupid way to do things. Trying to hurt guys. Ridiculous. Like I've always been like, Hey man, you need preseason games, but you don't need very many. You need two. Two is good. Exactly. You got your starters, a couple reps and you evaluate the guys that mm-hmm. you it's part of camp. I Dickinson said this in his, in his pregame press conference, and they, they asked him, how much do you weigh on preseason games and how much do you weigh on camp? And he said, we do weigh more on camp. Right. But preseason games help a lot. 
I, th- I think the thing is like you should evaluate on camp a lot because yeah. you see this guy day in and day out. Yeah. I mean, and like, I think the biggest problem is where you're going to beat yourself in preseason games is mentally, right? You've seen how these guys physically, what kind of athletes they are, what their strengths and weaknesses are in camp. If you don't make the mental errors in the game, you're probably good, right? Even if you're not, oh, shoot, you missed this tackle here. You could have done a little bit cleaner on the block there. But, like, don't make the mental errors, and you'll probably be all right. You have a, the preseason, yes, as you said, there's only two games. So, it will wrap up this the end of this week. Um, I think there'll be games on Saturday, and that'll be the end of it. And then we're into it. Then we're in. Did they, did they push back the regular season at all? Nope. Everything got yeah, started right on time. Yeah. So we are good to go. The good thing was they didn't. The players when the when they did vote down, the the first agreed upon deal they didn't go back on strike, right. so they continued practices. Things kind of kept going pretty smoothly. I think some teams, including the riders, gave them one day off where the, it was kind of the deadline day for the new deal, right. just so if a deal got agreed to at any time, they could get right in and vote uh, whenever. So they weren't held down by practice. So that, that was good to see. I think everybody really just wanted to see a season happen. And it's so, yeah. I'm so happy we are going to, after the canceled season and the shortened season, we really thought it felt like something bad was going to happen with this one, with the CBA talks, but looks like we we're going to have a normal CFL season. I am happy about that. Correct. It starts at the beginning of June this year, right? Yes, I believe the first games are June 9th. I think it that's the Thursday nighter. It'll open up with Montreal and Calgary in Calgary on 9th at 7 o'clock. Friday night football will be Ottawa and Winnipeg. Then we get into the Saturday games. We'll have Hamilton visiting the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and Edmonton heading out to BC. I love that they pushed that up. Yeah. Not not even just like it feels more like you get to see it earlier. Yeah. But like you cross over less when the important games happen in the NFL. Exactly. It's just better for everybody that they move this up instead yeah. of the beginning of June, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love that. I do too. It feels yeah. great. I mean, hey, dude, I'm not going to lie to you. Catching quarters here and there of the USFL is not anywhere near feeling my football itch, right? I've tried watching the USFL, and it's not it. It's just – It's it's not it. It's, it's not, not it. They're not going to last very long. I'm going to make the prediction. It's going to be a one-and-done league like they it's, all it's are. The same thing as watching the XFL, the same as yeah. watching the um, American Alliance. That's what it was, right? Yeah, Alliance of American Football or something. Right, like yeah. you just watch like two games and you're like, yeah, this isn't this isn't established. This isn't great. This exactly. isn't going anywhere, right? We talk about all day how nobody will ever stack up the NFL. Nobody will ever stack up the NFL. At least the CFL could play football games and yes. actually have multiple seasons. <laughs> Don't <laughs> compare least... them to the XFL. Don't compare them to the USFL because they are a different tier than those teams. They aren't. <laughs> They aren't on NFL tier, but they are definitely on a different tier than those bum ass leagues. Yeah, like there's there's three tiers, and they're laid out 
and that's the only thing you have the NFL, college football, Division One college football, yeah. and the CFL. And after that, everything else is completely different, and I won't hear yeah. anything about it. I don't care about the Arena League; that's a different game. Yeah, I don't care about whatever Manzels playing in whatever dumb league that is. I don't care. Oh, Those are not pro football. There's the NFL and the CFL, and then there's college football. And if you're not watching those three, I don't know why you're watching. Exactly. So I think to end off this podcast, we are going to make our preseason power rankings. This is something we are going to do throughout the season. It'll be up on our socials every week is the Booth CFL power rankings. So, Dave, we are going to start this off at the bottom in the basement our predicted worst team in the league right now, it's the BC Lions. They couldn't even protect their quarterback right in the in the fourth quarter. He went to the hospital. <laughs> they expected to protect their Canadian starter who has not proven himself at all. How are they supposed yeah. to protect him? Um you lost Mike Riley. Yep. It's you replaced him with Michael O'Connor. Actually, I think Michael O'Connor isn't Michael O'Connor the backup. Nathan Rourke starting. Either way, if Either it's O'Connor way. or it's Rourke, that doesn't inspire a lot of confidence, right? Yeah, it doesn't. So, like, I mean, I sit here and I'm like, okay, Lucky Whitehead and Brian Burnham, and what else do you have? Exactly. Who's on your team? Who's going to get them the ball? <laughs> okay. Like, even on defense, I'm not overly inspired by their players. No. You know what I mean? Like, great. Well, what do you have? Yeah. You have the defensive end from last chance you like, great. <laughs> nice. I don't care. Oh uh, yeah. I think this is going to be a rough season for BC. It's going to be a time for them to start a little bit of a rebuild as they move off of their short stint with Mike Riley, uh, Michael Riley, Michael, <laughs> Michael, sorry. Um, sorry, BC. You're, you're at nine. Yeah, that's what it is. not much better. Number eight, the Edmonton Elks. New uniforms. New uniforms. I like them. Yeah, they're nice. I do. I do. I don't have a problem with them, but um, see, this is a team I can almost see kind of sneaking in, but like you don't know how much you can trust Cornelius. Yeah, you have to get Chris Jones' infrastructure reestablished, right? Like, it's one of those things where in if Cornelius plays well. By year two with Chris Jones in that new system, I could see maybe it panning up to something better. Yeah. But it's just a lot of new stuff, a lot of new players, a lot, you know what I mean? New ideology. It's just probably not your either, right? No, it just probably isn't. So, I I mean, look at when Chris Jones, I'm, I, I love the guy. He's a great coach. Yeah. Um, when he came into Saskatchewan, our first year was not too hot. But he built us into a powerhouse over the next few years. So I would say watch out for Edmonton in coming years. He did the same thing with the first time Edmonton and then with yep. us. You have you have and then like let's face what it is. That from the top down of that organization with all that stuff that happened last year, yeah. that was a gross organization. That was run poorly. You didn't the, who was in charge was not great. Yeah. They need to clean up the mess left by that regime before they can start rebuilding strong. So yeah, that's yeah. what this year is going to probably be. And then next year, you can watch out for them. Edmonton's coming, but this is the year you need to suffer through it, right? 
going to be a tough one, but it'll be worth it in the long run, I think, for yeah. you, Edmonton. So. Yeah. That brings us to number seven. This is where the waters start to muddy a little bit, I think, in our power rankings. Um, but number seven is going to be the Montreal Alouettes. And this was when we we debated putting the Alouettes here or in a couple different spots, especially yeah. the team next. Yeah, We almost thought like, wow, this team was great on paper, but they don't have the success to back it up. But we chose to put um, we chose to put Montreal here. And I mean, look, uh, Trevor Harris, okay, but you, you've decided to go with Vernon Adams, who's yeah. just really, really grossly inconsistent. And I mean, just like, let's face what the preseason power rankings are, is speculation on your roster. Yeah. And on paper, your roster looks seventh best, right? That's what it is. It does. It, it's nothing that screams this is a terrible roster. It no. also doesn't scream this is a great cup roster. And I think that's that's the most ample way to say it. Yeah. You might yeah. win. You might get third in the East DM this roster, yeah. truthfully. But I, you don't look at it and say, like, wow, this blows you away, right? Yeah. At six – Maybe a little controversially high after the season they had this last year. We have the Ottawa Red Blacks. Right. This team was rebuilt in the offseason. Yeah. They loaded up more than any other team. They absolutely just changed who they were. Yeah. And I said, and maybe we're wrong. Maybe they're still cleaning up the same mess. Maybe they those guys will not gel. But we said the same thing with Toronto last year, and they did this exact thing, and they finished first in the East at the end of the regular season, right? Exactly. Though on paper, this team looks good, and I think just by the prospect of the players they, they got who've proven themselves in this league, they look like the sixth best. Yeah. I mean, just look at the quarterback room. You went from Matt Nichols, who got hurt early in the season, and then you just kind of cycled in guys like – Who'd you even have? Duck Hodges, Caleb Evans, just guys you were just trying to take a look at, just to see if maybe they'd be something in the future. You said, you know what? I don't think they are going to be our starter next year. Let's go out and get Jeremiah Masoli. Yep. I think that's a great move. I yep. think upgrading from Caleb Evans to Jeremiah Masoli won you the offseason. Yep. Absolutely right. And I mean, we know what Masoli is. And what he is is a lot better than what you have. Yep. He has a lot of upside, whether, I mean, Hamilton fans may tell you one thing, they may tell you another thing, because there's a big old spicy debate last year all the way up to the Grey Cup game. But what you know in Ottawa is you're getting a new quarterback who can lead the team, right? Yep. Number five, we have the Calgary Stampeders. I hope they don't make us eat this. You know what I mean? I yeah, really right. Don't. I hope they're not good and they're not as good as I think they're going to be. But like, believe I just love to try to stick it to everybody who wears green. But like, I don't know. They don't look as inspired as Hamilton, who's always in the Great Cup, even though they never win. They don't look like Toronto. They don't look like us and like Winnipeg, right? Like, I mean, they're just they're solid, but not over the top, right? I think they're and and we'll we'll kind of see where we put Toronto going up here. Um, but I think there's kind of an argument for Calgary or Toronto, who's better. Yeah. I, I, I lean Toronto for the sole reason of they took a lot of Calgary's players. Yeah. I think that made them a little better. 
Calgary, yeah. you were good. And yeah. then your players went to Toronto and now Toronto's better. So I think it's one of those things too, where like, this isn't me being biased because like, I don't know. Is your least favorite team Winnipeg or Calgary? My least favorite's Winnipeg. Okay. So my least favorite is Calgary. So this is also complete riddled with bias of like, I almost think Calgary might be the team that is a lot worse than we say it is. We just put too much respect on how good they've been for so long and too much respect yeah. on their quarterback always taking them somewhere where this might be the year. Like I think every year it is at this point, but I'm like, this is the year they're not that good. But if, if at the end of the year they come out and they finish fourth in, in the West, I wouldn't be surprised, but yeah. they've earned at least to be the fifth in this power ranking. Right. Yeah, for sure. It's, we saw a Calgary team that was different last year from what we had seen in years previous, a team that was, I will say beatable in big games. Yes. Is that something we never saw from Calgary from in the late teens? So I think that that might carry over 2013 on, right? Yeah, exactly. 12, 2012. We've been cooking. Yeah, and, and last year was the first year that they were beatable in big games. Right. Uh, moving on to number four, we do have the Toronto Argonauts inching out the Calgary Stampeders for this one. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they are they won. They finished first in the East last year. Yeah. They took a big swing from the Ticats at the end of that East final to, to beat them. They still have a lot of good they're good players. They got even more players like primarily from Calgary, right? This is a team that looks frisky. I would yeah. like I said I wouldn't be surprised at all if they won the East for real. Yeah. And they're better than Hamilton. But because of where that East final went last year, it's you, you kind of have to put Toronto as the second team in the East, right? Yeah, I, I think Toronto shows a lot more than they have in previous years. I think you look at a guy like McCall Bethel Thompson, this is kind of the first time he's come into a season as the starter right? in his entire CFL career. And that's a good thing to have as a team is, you know, you starter and you know, he's good. I, I am high on Bethel Thompson going into this year. I think he's going to have a good year. I think if I'm talking dark horse MVP candidate, I'm going to, throw McLeod Bethel Thompson's name out there. Um, okay, so keep that same energy in mind for the next team. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, uh, Toronto, you're, you're, you're a four team right now, and you should be really happy about that. Yeah. I mean, they got, they got like, Andrew Harris this year, too. Yeah, exactly. I'm of the opinion that Andrew Harris got let go because he has something more wrong with him than you figure. That's my personal opinion. But for all we know, he's the same player, and it was all money, yeah. and he's going to Toronto now. So that might be huge, right? It might be. Uh, at three, top three here on the podium, we have the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Same energy you just brought to the last one. Dark Horse MVP sleeper is is uh, is Dane here, man. Yeah, I like. I don't know, man. He's he's good. He beat Mazzoli out of his job after they gave him a ton mm-hmm. of money, man. Like. I like the guy. I've always liked Dane Evans. I think he's a guy that you can win with, and I wouldn't be surprised to see his name as the East Side's outstanding player, like they're in the ballot, right? Yeah, definitely. I could see it as well. 
I, yeah, Hamilton, you, you, you made the Grey Cup. You, you were the East Division champions. A lot, a lot of times. A lot of times, you've, you've been at the, this in the same race a lot of times, and hopefully someday it'll happen for you. I don't think it's gonna be this year. I swear to God, dude, I picked the Ticast to win the Grey Cup three straight years, and I'm not kidding. <laughs> for three straight years, I was like, the Ticast are gonna win the Grey Cup this year, and they haven't. Oh, it just feels like a curse. But you know what? We're not talking Grey Cup right now. We're talking power rankings. You look like you had a pretty good squad. I think you're the, the third best team in the league. I right see. You now. still have the same coaching infrastructure. You still yeah. have that experience. You have the leaders like Simone Lawrence. You know what I mean? You got these guys. It'd be disrespectful not to put them right here at number three after they made the Grey Cup. Yeah. All right. Number two, your. Saskatchewan Rough Riders. It's a little painful not to put us one, but we just couldn't do it. Uh, Saskatchewan at two. This, I think this team got better in the offseason. We literally got better at every position group. My argument is except for in the secondary. Yeah. But the secondary players might be better than I think. Yeah. But we got better on the D-line. We got Charleston back. We got, you know what I mean? We got AC Leonard still. We got a lot of these guys. We got a way better linebackers this year. Not that our linebackers were even bad at all, but between tights and Moncrief and Sankey and Larry Dean, you know what I mean? We got better on the O-line. We got all those receivers that we mentioned. And maybe we don't have William Powell anymore, but Jason Moss really didn't use him worth shit anyway. So that doesn't matter that much. Exactly. Yeah. The secondary is the only question mark. I think, I think going into the off season, the biggest question mark, is going to be the the offensive line. Didn't really do a lot in free agency until, for cap reasons, Toronto releases Jamal Campbell. And sure, we'll take Jamal Campbell. Dude's young. Dude's good. Come in, join the squad, protect Cody, and made us better. I think, yeah, we are just solely a better team than we were last year. And last year, we were a few plays away from a great cup berth. And I think that's the thing is like a lot of people are going to see us as bias and there is bias in this. hundred percent. We're not going to say there isn't, but by every metric that team we had last year in the playoffs in any game playing Hamilton, I think we would have beat them. Yeah. Yeah. That does bring us to number one. Again, I said, we hate talking about this team on this podcast, but sometimes we are forced to, because they're a, they're a dog. They're, they're a powerful team. And that is, The Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Just, they're the back-to-back Grey Cup champs. What can you say? Yeah, I was going to say, this one's pretty cut and dry, right? Yeah. When you run through people like they have the last season and then you won the last two Grey Cups. Yeah. It would be delusional for us to put anybody except for the Bombers in number one. You talk about it being a shortened season last year, so there's a little bit of an asterisk beside this, but they had one of the most dominant seasons I've ever seen in the CFL. Yeah, absolutely. I do think their roster regressed a little bit this offseason, which is going to put them down a peg, I think. It's not going to be as dominant of a season as they had last year, but they are still the team to beat in the West. There's the team to beat in the league. Yeah, I think that's – what they did was they went from – this absolute dominant force probably to just like competing to be the best team. You know what I mean? It's not going to be, 
they've regressed enough where you could probably beat them in competitive yeah. games instead of knowing you're, you're walking into Winnipeg getting rolled, right? Yeah, exactly. But they're still going to be competitive. They still have the same core of guys, yeah. all that experience. You know, Jefferson, Big Hill, Claros, yeah. you name it, right? They still have yeah. these guys. So, Yeah, the biggest loss is Andrew Harris. But Harris wasn't even playing for most of the season last year. And Olivier is going to be just fine. Olivier is going to be just fine. So Bombers, here you go. Have the number one spot. You earned it. I hate to say it, but you did. Uh, Hold hold on tight, buddy. They're not going to have it for long. Yeah, yeah. Let's hope so. That wraps up our preseason power rankings. Ring through it again. We have at nine, the BC Lions. At eight, the Edmonton Elks. Seven, Montreal Alouettes. Six, Ottawa Red Blacks. Five, Calgary Stampeders. Four, Toronto Argonauts. Three, Hamilton Tiger Cats. Two, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And one, the two-time defending Grey Cup champion, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Yep. I, think- I guess, I, I mean, we'll have a show before the, the season starts. Yeah. But I guess, um, what is the one thing that you're most excited for in these preseason games we're going to see this week before we talk about them next week, I guess? I think it's really, I mean, to talk about just the most exciting thing is it's CFL football. I mean, we're watching CFL football and it feels good. But I always do like to see, we talked about the issue of the Canadian ratio a lot. These Canadian players who've come into the league, this is their first year, but they've grown up watching this game and playing this game. So it's interesting to see how they transition from U sports into the pros. Right. I think that the big three takeaways I take from that are I want to see our O-line, D-line depth. I want to see that because that's where when it gets deep in the year, you need that depth, especially. Um, Two is I want to see Nelson the combo. Yeah. So I think we've put a lot of stake in him being a starter, and I think he needs to prove this. Not that he hasn't probably in practice, but I want to see this from him. Yeah. I want to see this from him. And then threes. Not a lot of the rule stuff has changed significantly. Yeah. But I even just want to see how that shapes out now that I'm going to see it with my eyes for the first time yeah. tomorrow. See how that shapes out yeah. the field, the the hash marks, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right? yeah. The hash marks, yeah, being narrower this year. So yeah. it, it kind of, I say it makes the wide field wider. So now your widest throws, if you're really throwing to the sideline, it's even farther. Yeah. So. As much as we're saying we're closening ourselves to the NFL by narrowing those hash marks, it's making the wide field wide. And yeah, it's just giving guys more room to run. Right. So, like I said, I'd like interesting to see this year how that pans out with those really strong arm quarterbacks, fast receivers, yeah. that kind of thing. Right. Exactly. I think it'll be interesting too, talking riders here. Um, the backup quarterback competition here, we've got three guys who really could take it. Uh, Harker kind of had the job locked up last year until he had a real bad game in Hamilton in the last game of the season when we weren't playing for anything. So um, fine coming at Mason fine coming into the season looking like he could be the backup, but we'll see. There's also guys on the table like Chris Revler or um, Antonio, Antonio Pipkin just got released by Toronto today. So it's interesting. There. The riders do have options here at backup quarterback. It's nice to be talking about backup quarterback and not starter quarterback. I'll say though, we should just get Kevin Glenn. Just, <laughs> yeah, I love it. Let's do it, Kevin Glenn. You want, <laughs> come on, man, win a ring. Let's do it. 
Oh, I think that is a great way to end the podcast. Kevin Glenn, come back. <laughs> if you you're back by next episode, oh my God, we are going to start that episode off hot. <laughs> yeah, come back for your third or fourth state in Regina, dude. Come exactly. On, do it. But this has been our preseason edition, the first edition of the local sports, the CFL show here on the booth. This is our first full season covering the CFL and we are pumped. I can't wait for this season to kick off and preseason just gives us that little taste of the, the Canadianness to come. <laughs> if you were going to say it, I was going to say it right before <laughs> we finished up. Canadianness. Canadianness. Put it on a t-shirt. Yeah. As always, I have been Reese Shonsby. That has been Davey O'Doyle. Always Check us out on Instagram and Twitter at the booth EC. Buy your merch. It's all in our links on our socials. We will be back next week to talk about the regular season. We'll be previewing the regular season and talking about what we saw in the preseason games from Saskatchewan and the rest of the league. Take it easy. Go Riders. And we will see you next week. Canadianness. Canadianness. Thank you for listening to the Booth Podcast.